Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Life Science Marketing Radio. We're actually doing a live, sort of live podcast here at the ACPLS 2017 meeting. So we call these ACPLS shorts, if you'd like. I'm here today with Chris Bybee from Raindrop, and they are an agency. And we're going to talk about virtual reality, mixed reality, and augmented reality. Chris, welcome. Thank you. Uh, so Raindrop, as you mentioned, um, we're an agency, so we do all sorts of digital marketing, and where we really specialize is in the interactive world, which leads right into your your virtual, what call new realities, right? Your your mixed, augmented, and virtual realities. So, all right. So just so everybody gets on the same page to start out with, and don't let me forget about going back to the let's make it into the whole interactive thing. Right. Explain the difference between virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. Yeah, I, you know, I'm surprised. Uh, I've been doing this for about three years in the, these worlds, right? So I forget that they're still really new. Uh, start with virtual reality. That's the most common one heard. Virtual reality is, is just that it's virtual. So I'm going to recreate an entire new world for you uh, that you're going to view through a headset. So you put something on that's going to block off all of your vision, and everything you see is my creation. So there's a couple ways of doing that. One is through computer graphics, and the other one is through live video. So you'll hear about the NBA will have the finals shown through VR. It's also called 360 video. Um, I kind of distinguish them myself when I talk to people about, you know, this is 360 video and this is VR because there's different reasons behind them. Uh, but broadly speaking, yes, you can watch the NBA finals, uh, put on a headset, it blocks everything around you, and then you can sit on Wherever they put, place the camera, you're on that part of the court. You can watch LeBron James dribble down. Uh, if they had a camera above him, you could look down at LeBron James dribbling and dunking it. Uh, they've done some stuff with NFL uh, where they just do live video. Um, I've got a friend who's a long snapper uh, for the Bears. And so their quarterbacks, they will put a 360 camera behind the quarterback all during practice. And then they will then put that back on that player's head later on, and he can watch all the scenes again, turn left, turn right, look up, look down, just as he would have the camera right behind him, and they can dissect each play from 360 degrees as well. So there's a live video part of it, which is 360, and then there's the the computer graphics generated virtual reality as well. So anyway, VR is anything that you put on a headset, so your eyes is completely blocked off, your everything else around you, and through that headset you see a whole new world. Uh, the next common term is augmented reality, uh, and that's been around for a long time. So the way it's been done traditionally is through a mobile device. So you have an iPad, or you have an iPhone or an Android phone, whatever it may be, and you turn on an app, and that app allows you to look through the phone like it's a camera. So what you see on the, the display of the phone is basically a window to whatever the camera's pointing at. And in the past, there would be like a QR code. And when the camera sees that QR code, then up pops a video or a pops a, an audio, a, a voiceover recording. And so you can have a brochure in front of you. And when you put the camera over that with, that, with this app running, it then plays a video over the brochure to explain more about your product, right? 
So that's the traditional augmented reality. Uh, as time gone, that's, that's gone better from QR codes to just images. So I can take a picture of anything that has a distinct shape and when anybody else sees that distinct shape. So we're sure now instead of having a QR code, it could just have a, a picture of a turkey or whatever your product is and it recognizes that picture and it plays a certain video. And that's been around for, for years. Um, and then you have mixed reality. And I'll go back to the augmented reality as well because it's just Apple just changed this this summer. And uh, mixed reality uh, is coined by Microsoft. They developed the first mainstream wearable holographic computer. So think of Star Trek, you have the visor, right? That's what it is. It's, it's, it's basically the, the power of an iPad. And it's built, if you can visualize this, right? So it goes around your head in like an actual shape of, a, of, an, of an oval. You have a bicycle type clamp on the back that tightens it. And now you have in front of you this, this transparent visor. And it, on this visor are cameras and it maps the area around you. So it knows that there's a wall here, there's a table there, there's a floor beneath me. It can see you in front of me right there. And it, it creates these meshes in this, this system. It says, okay, I know that right here in this XYZ coordinate, there's a table. And then on top of all of that, it can overlay computer graphics. So if I wanted to have a digital puppy, right? I could have this digital puppy created in the headset and it would sit down by my, my, my side. When I said roll or play dead or fetch, it would then run around, right? And it would be running on the ground because it knows there's a ground there. It could jump up onto the table and you know run around the table here on the, to the side of us. Uh, and so they call it mixed reality because you're taking the computer graphics of what would be virtual reality and you're mixing it with true reality or augmented reality. So those are the three main areas. Uh, going back to augmented reality, Apple released what's called the AR kit this summer, late summer. And that's changed the way mobile AR is perceived. So in the past, I mentioned before, you'd have your phone up, you'd see a QR code or an image and a video would pop up. Um, everything you can do now with the headset, the mixed reality headset that Microsoft has created. There's some other ones as well, but Microsoft's the leading one. It's called the HoloLens. Uh, you can now do it on a phone. It's a little bit minimal because it's not a full-on headset. But the mapping of a table, the interacting with it, that all can be done now as well. And so they're still calling that augmented reality. So there's a little bit of a bleed between augmented reality, AR, and mixed reality, MR. Uh, but mostly the same thing now. Got it. That's so, a little bit of a, a background, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. And all kinds of things are going through my head. So you mentioned NFL. So there's a training application, right? right? I mean, a, a, a punter or a quarterback could you know, relive a bunch of plays and, right. and so on. Um, so let's bring all this to the world of science where I guess we're going to talk about, um, one, demonstrating things, right. selling products. Typically, let's talk about capital equipment sitting on a bench and then also from a training aspect. Mm -hmm. So how are companies using this? And if it's life science, all the better. But any company using, um, I'm going to guess, augmented reality for the start yes. to present a product in a new mm -hmm. way. And what, what kind of benefits do they see out of that? So the augmented reality is, is, is brand new, right? Uh, the headset for Microsoft, the Mixed Reality one, came out about a year and a half ago. And it's, uh, it's not ready for consumers. It's, it's a development kit. You can, we've done things for clients, but it's not something you would release to the masses just quite yet. Um, but it's a huge potential. I mean, it's gonna, it will change everything in the medical device world, uh, specifically capital equipment. As an example, uh, I was talking to a client a while ago. They had two machines they take to every single trade show. 
they were saying that every trade show they go to just to, to ship the equipment out there, right, to assemble it with engineers and the workforce there that's usually unionized, to then break it down and ship it back, they spend 40 plus thousand dollars every single trade show. And, you know, they go to eight to 15 trade shows every single year. So it's, it's not hard to spend a half a million dollars a year on just shipping costs, yep. right? And that's expensive. Now, because you have these equipments, you can't have a, a 20 by 20 booth. You have to have a, a 20 by 40 foot booth because there's these giant pieces of equipment there. And the reality is you have to have them there as a company, uh, but they're not overly used, right? So you can now replace that virtually. Um, you can now create a two-scale uh, computer graphic of that equipment that's interactive, and you can place it at that trade show, and you've just erased all your shipping costs. Uh, it's not the true tangible one, but you can virtually walk through every single step, uh, no pun intended, virtually, uh, through a, a mixed reality or augmented reality case. If you are selling a piece of equipment, right, and it's going to reside in an existing space of your clients, they want to know what, what's the footprint. Right. And knowing the footprint on paper is one thing, but seeing the footprint in your exact space, inch per inch, is different. So if you're selling a, a gene sequencing piece of equipment that's going to have a, a 16 by 8 foot footprint, you can take even a phone now that everybody has or an app that they can download before you get there. And you can open up and place that piece of equipment in that person's exact space. You can move it a little bit to the right, to the left. You can walk around it, see how it fits with the light switch in your room. Uh, so it all... All things, capital equipment, if they're not currently doing augmented reality, need to be doing that today, really. It's it's going to change the world of selling, presenting, and educating that. Yeah, so trade show budgets, people have listened to this podcast before, know my whole thing about how, yeah. how I cringed every time I look at that. And when my trade show manager would say, well, it's shipping all this stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, let's imagine we've got an instrument, a virtual or an augmented instrument on a bench, and you say, I can walk through every step. Like touch a touch screen menu, stuff happens. I see data. I get to see what all my choices are on that menu. Correct. Um, so to clarify on that, yeah. uh, the way they work currently is that the Microsoft one, the HoloLens, when I put my hand in front of my face, it knows my hand is there, right? And it can read my hand, but it can't read everything my, well, it doesn't interpret everything my hand does, or at least they don't allow us those interpretations. So there are certain gestures. So if I have the hologram in front of me and I touch a button, the button itself wouldn't select. What I need to do is I need to put, there's a cursor, right? So you, you place a cursor on the button and then like you select it. There's like a, a gesture for selecting, or you could verbally dictate, say, you know, push button and it would push that button. So yes, you can do all those steps, but they're not one-to-one -one exactly what you do them in real life. Right. But Presentation-wise, absolutely. Yeah, good to know. And then in terms of training, how are or would people use this type of augmented reality to uh, teach someone how to use this new piece of equipment? And, right. And what are we looking at in terms of level of effort to get it created? I mean, of course, it has to have a pretty, I'm guessing it has to have a pretty good life time right of usefulness to make it worthwhile but if you have a large volume of people to train maybe that's the thing absolutely so we we are in the process of doing um a very large scale training simulation for a, a very large i can't say the name but a very large uh, diabetes company and their idea is that whenever for them it's, it's you know it's, it's some type of diabetic pump right and so for a 
a practitioner to be able to write a script for this pump, they have to go through a certified training and they have to be certified for that and pass it off. Uh, that goes for the doctor, the nurse practitioner, the, the MA, the PA, anybody that's in the clinic that's going to be touching this because it injects a needle in your body has to go through a training. That's expensive. You have to fly somebody out there to do that. Um, and then if it's a large clinic, you may have to do it two or three times to get everybody certified there. And that's just so they can start prescribing your product, right? That's something that they don't mean I like it, but that's just to, just to open the gates so they can do that. So one thing they want to do is be able to ship out this headset and then have these avatars talk to you. Say, hello, welcome to this training, right? Here's all your equipment on the table, and it, it appears in front of them on the table. And let's go through and let's name all these equipments, and then they, they can pass up if they need it or not. Now let's go through setting it up, and it has a hologram looking at them, talking to them, setting up the entire equipment. Uh, okay, now let's go through how you would place it on the patient. Uh, do you want a male or female patient? And you can choose. Uh, what's the BMI of the patient? And you can choose. All right, well, when you place it on the abdomen, here's the area where it hides on the, on the hologram in front of them, the avatar. Here's where you can't place it. And so they can actually, you know, in as things develop, they could take the actual product and place it on the hologram, say, correct, that's good. So there's ways in which you can train somebody step-by-step step through avatars. And the nice thing about this specific situation is it's in their environment, right? So if they're at their clinic, the hologram would can appear in their clinic. Uh, we can use a table that's already there to say, I know this is going to be a table, so place the things on the table I know already know exists. Or we could create a holographic table so we know where it's always going to be and kind of control that environment and have things appear on there as well. So uh, really the, the, the way in which the world is trained is going to change dramatically over the next couple of years. And to a pretty incredible level of detail, if you're saying I want a you know female patient this BMI laying on that table in this room, here's all your, maybe there's other um, tools laid out around this product or whatever. Correct. Whatever it is. Or in a lab, here's all your consumables, here's all the reagents you're going to need to have lined up to do this. And think of it as a piece of software, right? Yeah. So if, if tool number 17 of 23 changes, we have to update the software, but then that's it. So the, to get that built is a bit of an undertaking. But if it's done well and your products aren't going to change dramatically, then the upkeep on that is is much less than shipping out equipment to a trade show. And I'm guessing there's some cloud delivery mechanism. So I, I, I just call you up and I say, hey, you know that this step in the procedure has changed. Can you do this, that, and the other? Then you make that happen, upload it somewhere. Yeah. I go grab Consider it. Consider it like an app, right? Yeah. So if you have a, an ESPN app on your phone and there's the latest you know, 1.43, you can just hit download on that. So there's ways to deliver it that way. Um, there's also ways to deliver it within your own enterprise, right? So if you have an enterprise app that isn't available on the app store, then you have your own distribution model as well. But yes, I mean, it, it is as simple as downloading a link. And what kind of, what do you need from a company so that they come to you and they say, hey, we've got this idea, we've got a product we wanna demonstrate or display, however, whatever it is. What do you need from them? What's the level of effort on their side mm -hmm. to have you produce what they're going to end up with? Uh, the first important, the most important thing to know is is why. Like, why are we doing this? Is this for trade shows? Because this is for trade shows because you need to have the equipment here. But now you can instead of having, let me take a step back. So trade shows. Most capital equipment companies don't sell one piece of equipment. They have a variety, but they choose which piece or pieces they ship out to these trade shows for logistical reasons, right? So now you don't have to choose. You can have a display there, and as long as you have you know the 10 by 10 foot space, 
uh, that you'd, you'd have to, to show something, you can then go through menu and say, I want to see product A, B, C, D, E, or F, right? I want to see it full scale, half scale, quarter scale. I want to walk inside of it. You can do what you want to do with it, right? Um, so if your intent is to demonstrate this at a trade show floor, then the things that we would want to know and the experiences and how we'd build that experience would differ than if it's supposed to be, I'm going to take this to a surgeon's office or a practitioner's office or um, uh, a healthcare manager's office, and we're going to place this piece of equipment in their room for them to scrutinize if it fits this exact space. They may still want to buy it, but it may mean that they need to knock out a wall, right? Or maybe they don't, and that way they just lower the cost of this piece of equipment by $30,000 because they're not going to do a reconstruction of the, of, the, of the space, right? So the why is the first thing. If it's capital equipment, then the best thing to have are CAD files of that, which most companies do. Um, so I know to scale exactly what everything is. I'll take those CAD files that are engineer-based, and I have to dummy them down. They have too much information in those CAD files to run well on a headset. It's just too much memory. So I go through and I dummy them down, but I can recreate them precisely to the millimeter, right, from these CAD files. Uh, and then another thing is to video. If you can video, if there's shelves that move, buttons that push, screens that appear, things that happen, um, there's little things, right? Like when I push this button, if it's a digital screen, what happened to the, the button? Did it change colors as I press it or not? Those nuances you don't really think about, but we would need to recreate all of that. So CAD files, uh, Y, first off, then the CAD files, uh, live video, and that's usually good enough for us to get running. Nice. So um, what other kinds of interactive things are people looking at that, mm -hmm. that you're helping them with? That's a really good question. So the... One step back from that, the world of producing interactivity changed completely in roughly 2015. Uh, as a marketer, traditionally you have a budget and you, you had to fit all you want to do in this one budget. So is that a website? Is that a sales app? Is that is that trade show budget? How does it work out? And in the world of digital, in our, in digital sales and marketing tools, you generally speaking, because of budgeting, had to choose a deliverable and put everything to that one deliverable. Uh, the way in which the if you do it right, the way in which you can create these digital interactive assets, whether it's on a tablet, on a desktop, on a touchscreen monitor, inside of a virtual reality headset, inside a mixed reality headset, can be done universally, uh, almost as much as the web is universal. Again, it has to be done right. I know about things up on the front, in the front end. But uh, as an example, if you wanted one interactive website in 2010, that was cost X. And... To then take that over to a different delivery, like it's going to be an Android tablet, right? It's 80% of the same cost. And it's like, well, this is crazy. Why are you just recreating? Like, well, now it has to be a different, different code, different platform. If you do the interactivity right, that's not true. We can now take everything that's built for a VR headset, and we can now import that into an Android tablet or an, an iPhone or a Windows touchscreen monitor for very little cost, 25% uh, of the cost versus 80% of the cost it was before. So to answer your question, what else are we doing? Really anything. So um, if you're going to invest into a VR simulation, then my suggestion is, well, here's, here's what, you know, it costs X to do it for just this one deliverable. And to do that, you can only use it at trade shows or at these, you know, unique sales meetings. But if you add 20% of that, I can get you an Android tablet and uh, an iPad tablet deliverable the same thing. Uh, which now gives you limitless use of that. So in a perfect world, we do the whole gamut. We'll say here is your Windows touchscreen monitor for your trade show. Here is your VR headset for touchscreen. Here is a version of this that works with the mixed reality headset. 
where you just see the product instead of the whole environment around there. And here's your mobile deliverables as well. Yeah, nice. Uh, everybody that listens to the podcast also knows I'm big on repurposing. So yeah. for the 20% premium, we'll call it, to be able to deliver it to every platform that any person would want to use yeah. uh, makes total sense. Unheard of, really, before this. Yeah. Uh, Flash used to be that way. You could do a lot with Flash. And then that, I mean, that died 10 years ago. Right. Uh, but yeah, the repurposing these assets, if they're done digitally, right? So the 360 video, um, you can also create an animation that's 360. So instead of it being, a, I mentioned a video of a football quarterback right i can create an animation that is just 360 uh, but those 360 videos displays or animations they live and die in that one format if you do it in an interactive way where i can spin it around uh, those are a little more costly up front to do due to the, the man hours to make it interactive but the, you can repurpose that until the cows come home nice well, Chris Bybee, it's been a pleasure talking to you and educating us all on these virtual augmented and mixed realities. Where can people go to find out more about this? Website is raindropagency.com. Everything's there. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. That's just a small taste of the type of things we heard at the ACPLS annual meeting. You should definitely go and check out the site acp-ls.org. I'm going to have more of those sprinkled throughout the coming months. I had the opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one with a number of the speakers from the meeting, so that's going to be really interesting. Hey, the next event on the calendar for marketers who want to elevate their practice is the Science Marketing Lab. This is happening in San Diego March 5th and 6th, 2018. This is a one-track program specifically for marketers in life sciences and some of my favorite marketers, including many former guests on this podcast, will be there. I'm going to talk about using audio in your marketing and in ways you probably haven't thought of, so you don't want to miss it. Right now, you can get the early bird special rate. Go to sciencemarketinglab.com and register. Space is limited. Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm grateful for everyone who takes the time to listen to this podcast and especially all of you who have shared it with your colleagues. Enjoy the time with your friends and family and I will talk to you on the other side.